This is The Social Geek Radio Network. And welcome to Social Geek Rockstars. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing concierge. Today it's a special episode celebrating the new podcast series called Stay Effing Positive with hosts Brett Larimer and Ingrid Schneider telling compelling stories of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And today we've got a preview with their rock star guests, Paul Pickett and Cassidy Ford. Today's episode is brought to you by T-Source, ServiceMinder, Hughes, and the panel starts next after this word from Northeast Color. Northeast Color produces branded interior decor and custom signage solutions for the franchise industry with a special focus on value engineering. They work with franchisors to re-engineer their existing signage packages to lower costs on materials, shipping, and installation, all while maintaining the integrity of their client's brand. In short, Northeast Color literally makes things better. Learn more now at northeastcolor.com. Before we bring in the full panel today, I wanted to have a few minutes to chat with Brett Larimer and Ingrid Schneider of Stay In Your Lane a little bit about what the inspiration behind this podcast was, where it started, and uh, maybe a little bit about where we're going. So, Ingrid, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about why we're here today and and what's up and where we're going. World domination, Jack. We're here to <laughs> dominate the world. It's like Pinky One in the County Brain. at a time, yeah. yeah Pinky yeah. in the Brain. Um, that's a 90s reference right there. I, I was sure. just about to start Sorry, singing Brett. Pinky and the Brain. Oh, you know. You <laughs> oh, I was know. raised on Pinky and the Brain. Amazing. Okay. We digress. Oh, We're gosh. here. Uh, <laughs> We're not off to a good start, folks. <laughs> um, Welcome to thanks. 90s cartoon chat. Oh, my gosh. Uh well, thanks for having us, Jack. And thanks for honestly being one of the reasons that we're doing this and a catalyst for um, just Brett and I and, and, and a, a champion. You're a champion of people. And, and thank you for having us and doing this with us. We're here to really help be better humans. And um, as Brett and I have gotten to know each other, um, we really have a passion for people and we have a passion for helping people in the franchise industry human better. And that's how Stay In Your Lane was born, honestly. Um, so Stay In Your Lane is a fractional C-suite company. Um, we do a lot um, in franchise development and in franchise businesses and helping emerging brands and established brands with branding. Um, we have a lot of different services, but really we, we want to help good brands become cult brands. Um, that's our mission. Um, and we have also have this beautiful DEI arm. So it's a fractional DEI part of what we do. Um, it's Brett's passion, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and I'll let her speak to that. But um, we just really found this beautiful kind of synchronicity that um, we could really help the franchise space, not just only in building franchisees and franchisors, but also making them better humans. 
Ingrid nailed it. She and I really, one of the biggest things we bonded over early on was just we're goobers and we like to show up in spaces just as our normal, awesome, weird, goofy selves and and to be able to exist authentically not just at home and in our personal lives, but also in the workspace is something that we really aligned on. And the idea of creating an environment where people work, where they can show up to work just as they are, and their employers can see them as actual human beings who have issues and needs and excitements and families and dreams and what it looks like to truly embrace people for who they are. And that's where this DEI arm of stay in your lane was was born from is how can we help guide companies to figure out what plan needs to be put together or what areas they they can maybe improve upon to to do business better and to really focus on people first i'd like to add that we're professional goobers yes um, professional. Really, really important. <laughs> i think you're goofy goobers another 90s cartoon yeah. reference from spongebob yeah. but, oh, but yeah. no definitely professional i think that's the 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 thing that I have been um, very glad to see, and uh, it's it's kind of refreshing in the area of coming up with some new ideas and bringing some new concepts into the franchise space. That um, it's not being taken as some wild, crazy, whacked out idea because you both do bring this level of professionalism and you do have a good story to tell and you bring it back to not just why a certain cause is good for you and maybe some other people, but why it can be good for someone's business and why it can help them help all of their team members and their franchisees and then their customers. You know, I, I think there's that level of professionalism and looking at everything from a business perspective that a lot of really good ideas don't get off the ground because no one keeps that in mind. And, um, you know, we're just trying to march up a hill with a certain flag and you don't get very far if you don't bring in a certain level of credibility and professionalism. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Jack. You've been such a champion for us too. And I think part of the reasons why we exist is that you have one of your gifts is to really call out talent and you see people as who they are and it's a really beautiful thing um and one of the reasons we were able to do this is because you've championed both brett and i and mentored us and encouraged us and called out what we are doing as special and i and i really want to thank you for that too um as we as we grow this podcast and you've really encouraged us to do this like my hope is for people to feel um able to be their vulnerable and authentic self my hope is mm -hmm. that people find a really safe space to come and listen and learn. My hope is for people to know that we're all humaning together. Um, one of my favorite things to say is that we're all humans living a human experience, right? So um, Brett and I are going to make mistakes in this podcast, and we're going to say things that we learn from. And people that are on the podcast with us are going to say things that they may not mean or that they need to learn from, too. And I think this whole thing is just to really help people grow and learn and be encouraged that we're all humans, right? And we all have issues and we all have ways that we can grow and be more empathetic and be better. So um, yeah, I just want to thank you again for letting us do this and giving us the platform to it, do it too. 
and Brett might have a beautiful story and, and Stay in Your Lane has a beautiful story with a great scene. Um, and I'm excited to see how this also propels us into helping people in the industry be better humans. It also kind of all comes back to that mentorship piece as well, which I, I love, you know, Ingrid has been a mentor for me for a very long time. And now we hope to kind of pay that mentorship mm-hmm. forward through this podcast. We've been able to meet a lot of people, whether it's industry experts or other franchise friends who have mentored us, who we've learned a lot from, and we want to bring those people to the table so that everybody can benefit from the same people we've been able to learn all of these little genius gems from. It's it's one thing to dump a whole bunch of information on everybody all at once, but let's just take this piece by piece and learn a little bit together every episode. And then all of a sudden, everyone's got a massive knowledge instead of just a little bit. So we can kind of kick in here with introducing Cassidy Ford and Paul Pickett here to talk about a lot of things. Uh, Brett, where do you want to kick off this conversation today? You know, I think when we start the conversation, really, it's we should take kind of a, a, a poll of where the industry is and why people are scared of these conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so to kick things off, I think, you know, starting with is DEI a dirty word? Why do people hate it so much? Why are they scared of it? Uh, maybe why are they nervous to apply it to their businesses? And what does that look like? I don't know that uh, it's a dirty word. I think that it's just an uncomfortable concept. Um, I, I have Tourette syndrome, right? I'm a walking signal for discomfort for people around me sometimes. And, um, you know, it's the idea of being able to get out of your comfort zone and accept something new. And there's DEI has been politicized so much, but if you really peel it back and recognize that there's people behind that, it's really, it's people and then going out from there about how it, um, you know, impacts our businesses and the way that we make money and it's a full circle conversation but the the politics of it the discomfort involved in that I don't think it's a dirty word I just I mean Paul you you nodded your head on that one so um yeah no I I I agree completely and I think that I don't know that it's a dirty word as much as it is an uncomfortable thing for a lot of people to just understand how this works, and I think the politis- the fact that it's been politicized so much is like, oh, if I'm into this, am I going to, if, if I promote this, is everyone going to think that I'm a left-wing socialist, right? And mm-hmm. does that mean that I've abandoned capitalism and financial ROI? And how yeah. does that how does that manifest in my system? And is this, you know, is this a a founder's um, reputation and legacy? Or how does that play into all of the, I mean, this is probably franchising specific, but I mean, as a franchisor, we don't own the businesses of our franchisees. They own the businesses. We're not a chain. So our individual franchise stores are owned by their franchise, by our franchise store owners. 
what if they have a have these conversations with people like i don't want to promote and i'll just stick with i'll stick with what i know i don't want to promote pride month because i'm devote you know fill in the blank from a religious standpoint that i i have a problem with that Mm -hmm. how does that manifest for me and then how as a franchise system do you say well this is what we believe in but you don't how does how do you play so it's it's tricky Mm -hmm. and i think the other thing is and this is just my own personal experience so it's really narrow is the people that i've talked to um it's the equity thing and i think that equity and i'm not going to even go into it but it does equity mean affirmative action what does that mean and how do i play that into the equation i love diversity i love inclusion but does this mean that if i have a dei focus in my company how how does that work and do i need to say i'm bringing in 25 new franchisees but a certain number of them have to be representative of different elements of diversity Mm -hmm. and where does that play into it and it it becomes confusing for people yeah yeah am i wrong am i crazy no no i think you're right and the equity piece no you're right and the equity piece brett and i talk about being the hardest piece and i'll let brett speak into that a little bit about equity because she explains it so eloquently but i think that you're hit the nail on the head that that is the hardest piece of things yeah i it's it's really interesting that you point that out paul because i think that is one of the biggest things that people struggle with and it's why a lot of times when you look at dei programs you'll see equity is actually one of the last things that they teach a lot of people think that equity means the same thing as equality and they they don't um or that equity you see these three terms, it's equity, equality, and fair. And how do you navigate between those? And, and what do you lean into as a business? Uh, you know, I, that's why I think having a perspective shift on DEI is really, really important, especially for businesses who maybe struggle with or can't wrap their, their mind around all of the pieces of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's where I would encourage businesses to look at it just as how can we treat our team like the human beings that they are? <laughs> human beings who have health problems, who have different beliefs, who have different abilities, capabilities, schedules, backgrounds, and really approaching it from that direction. Because the more time you can spend doing that and investing that, then you start changing your mindset almost. And you start understanding this equity piece, which is about, okay, XYZ groups have they, they're starting from a different vantage point. They started at a disadvantage compared to other people. And so what can we do to help offset that disadvantage? But again, that's a very different conversation and something that I think you have to really have solid grounding in what it means to be truly inclusive, which then will lead to more diversity, which then opens the door for a conversation around equity. If you just jump right to it, you're going to get so overwhelmed and not know where to start and maybe not want to move forward. And that's where that, like, especially the inclusion piece of DEI is so much easier to start your journey there. Right. I've learned so much about equity from you. Can you unpack it just a little bit for us? And um, I mean, you've given me such great examples. Can you give me an example of what the equity piece looks like? 
Yeah. Or give us an example. Definitely. There's a lot of visualization exercises and things that help paint the perspective around equity. I think a lot of times, again, people confuse it with equality. Equality, a great example, let's say pay for men and women. Equality would be, hey, we want to pay women the exact same amount as men for the same jobs. That's a terrific goal to advocate for. But when we talk about things like equity, it's, okay, where is the the starting line? That's, that's the visual I like to use. You know, where's everybody starting at? Uh, there is a really, really cool exercise where people will all stand in a line and someone will say, all right, take one step forward if you went to college. Take, you know, maybe one step yeah. back if you couldn't afford a college education. Take one step forward, uh, very, very common one, white privilege. That's maybe five steps forward, right? And and what you see starts happening is some people are going to be 10 steps forward. Some people are going to be 20 steps back. That is the starting place. And then, okay, well, if if someone's starting 10 steps forward to the finish line, naturally they're going to get there way faster than someone who is 20 steps behind. Um, kind of a tough visual for a podcast, I, I just realized there. Um, but, you know, it's it's things like, can you implement a franchising, for example? What can you do as a franchisor to teach and educate current franchisees even, maybe you have single unit franchisees who don't have the skill sets to grow and become multi-unit owners. Can you go out of your way to invest more time in those individuals to teach them the skills that they need to know so that they can purchase multiple territories and expand? That scenario is win-win. Your business is getting bigger and growing. You're investing in someone who maybe didn't have the capital initially or the education or the resources to grow compared to someone else who maybe had that advantage in life and came in and could buy a bunch of territories right off the bat, you're helping offset that. That's where equity comes into play. Um, and that's where it's kind of the, the give and take. Um, I was at the FBR summit back in November and someone asked a great question. It was a franchise business coach and they, they're kind of asking around, you know, how do as a franchise business coach, you want to spend equal time with your franchisees. That is a beautiful example of equality versus equity. Not every franchisee needs the same amount of help from you. Mm-hmm. Equity right. is understanding who needs more, who needs less, and navigating that balance. But it can be really tricky. One of the things that Paul was, it's actually two things. So Paul, you said um, it's tricky to, both of y'all just used the word tricky. But um Paul, you mentioned that um, the human aspect of things, I had a a conversation with someone recently uh, who, as a CEO, was saying that he didn't want to appear soft. And the idea was that being soft was uh, being relational or trying to be empathetic and that that was mutually exclusive from being financially successful um, by drawing a hard line and having a framework for business and, and the equality aspect of things. It was a very rigid point of view. And Brett, you talked about that mindset shift is, is where the key is. Once you get to the point, it's, it's baby steps, right? You're not going to be able to come into this and all of a sudden just, 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 just completely transform your organization or transform yourself. And, 
you know, you have to, you have to get to one point to get to the next. And so, um, and I've gone through that exercise that you're talking about, about the take one step forward and take five steps back kind of thing. And one of the things that I learned going, going, going through that exercise is that some of the words meant different things to different people. So white privilege might be a, a concept that for three different people in that exercise meant something completely different. And so that was, mm. we had to take a step back and just start with language and yeah. get on the same page and get aligned with that. And once you start peeling back those layers and it's like an onion, you have to, you know, you have to do one thing at a time. And it's, it's not something that happens overnight. Transformational change is hard. And if franchising, we see that all the time is, you know, um, that that movement forward is a, a little bit slower sometimes than than what we would like to see, but we have to be patient with it. Just like we have to be patient with other people as we engage with them and try to be empathetic and learn their stories. People don't open up to you immediately. Not everyone is is like that. So it's it, patience is a huge part of of the whole process. <laughs> yeah, and you nailed it, Cassidy. Talking about how it has to be baby steps. People jump in, and that's just not necessarily the right approach for everybody. I think if you want to have that lasting change, if you want to retain the education that you're getting, the best way to do that is in a drip approach. And that's one of the goals that we have for this podcast, Ingrid and I, is let's all just learn a couple little nuggets of information every week. Let's talk about it. Let's dissect it and ask those questions that we don't know and how they apply to our business instead of the fire hose of information, trying to retain everything at once, you're only going to get a couple nuggets out of that. So why don't we just, you know, stick to a few and, and build from there. That's where that real change will come in. I don't know, Paul, if you go through this, but when like having Tourette's, I have, I have so many funny stories about this, but having Tourette's, it's really difficult when I go into a new group or a new place for me to expect that everyone's going to understand what Tourette's is, how it works, how they should interact with me or vice versa immediately. And some people pick up on things a lot more quickly than others. And that yeah. drip approach, like I, mm -hmm. I remember um, when I was on the franchisor side, I was working for Huddle House and there was a really great team of people who were very accepting and they made an effort to understand and accommodate my needs as someone with a disability. And there was one particular coworker who, when I was extra stressed, I, and we would go for walks and on the elevator, because the way that my tics work is like, I, they're worse if I'm by myself or like if I'm in a quiet place and I'm just left a loud place or something, my tics will explode. So we'd get on the elevator and I would just start dropping F-bombs like left and right. And one day we got off of the elevator <laughs> and I was still in the middle of this tick tirade Aww. and someone else was going onto the elevator and they were just so shocked. And um, it's just like a funny story of how like you have to, take that that one person and she kind of helped introduce that um aspect of my life to other people in the mm -hmm. office and slowly that became less of a shock and less of a shock to people so um that drip concept is so true you can't expect 
you know, everyone to really understand and engage with you um, immediately and understand the full picture. Absolutely. Thanks for being vulnerable, Cassidy, too. Like, yeah. It's a huge gift. Yeah. It's a funny story, though. So It is. And I would be like, yeah, the, that girl is awesome. High, high fives are on the way out of the yeah. elevator. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, it's such a good case in point, Cassidy, of if we can just spread that understanding, then you can walk into places just being yourself and not having to worry about that. I see that a lot with my narcolepsy. I'll be like, oh, middle of the day, sorry, I got to go take a nap. And people will look at me like, is this preschool? Like, what what are you talking about? (laughs) But the more people that I can share with and, and educate about it, it's twofold. One, my life gets a little bit easier because people understand. And two, hopefully I'm also then advocating for other people with narcolepsy and spreading that awareness. And who knows, maybe it helps someone get diagnosed faster. Maybe it helps somebody else get a little bit more um, understanding and compassion from their employee for accommodations. We're human beings and we should be able to arrive at our workplace just as we are to get our job done. And I know if my health is under control, I am a 500 times better employee than if I'm trying to mask or cover things up because I think that's what my employer expects of me. That mm-hmm. that culture and that compassion is so important. Paul and I have had a lot of conversations about that, about like being accepted in the workplace. When you kind of had that transition from like n- not feeling comfortable or you were going through something and then all of a sudden you had a conversation with Jim Carpenter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, you know... Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I won't but, tell your story for you. But. Well, yeah, you probably tell it more <laughs> than I do. Well, uh, but no, it is that it's that story of when you, for me, it, it, you know, it's like the professional coming out story, right? Is like, and things were not going well. I was very stressed out. I was anxiety ridden and not sure how this was all going to play out. And when Jim Carpenter, our founder and my boss for heavens almost 34 years just said you know we know this I mean he kind of communicated it with you you know it's not that big of a secret here we know this and you're allowed to be you and you're Mm -hmm. not only allowed you're you're required if people ask you direct questions I mean I guess you could say uh, about whether my you know, wife is the big thing, you know, like, what does your wife do? What does your wife think about your travel schedule? What, you know, um, you get the choice to say, I don't speak about my personal life, which is weird. And especially (laughs) when you're in development and you're trying to, you know, connect with people and asking them questions, like, can I have your social security number and your financial statement? Um, (laughs) You know, there's a little quid pro quo there, but it's like, if somebody asks you that question and you just answer it's not a big deal. I don't have an issue with it. Um, They don't have an issue with it or Mm -hmm. kind of a lie in in a way. It's a, you know, it's a a lie of omission rather than, you know, a proactive lie. It's like, I'm not okay with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have some decisions to make and I don't want to force you to do things that make you uncomfortable, but you are 100% encouraged to to give your story and not to hold back on that story. It's, you know, it's not your lead story. It's the lead story should be the brand story. You know, Mm -hmm. and that was very clear. I have a job (laughs) to do, but 
And I mean, that question that I said, what if somebody doesn't want to join the Wild Birds Unlimited franchise system because of that? And he said, then he said, for two reasons, one personally and, you know, just socially know that I want someone like that. But we're retailers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, don't do a quiz for the customers when they walk through the front door. You know, <laughs> what are your beliefs? What's your religion? What's your race? What's your, you know, do you, yeah. do you have a disability? We only serve. No, we, I mean, everyone is welcome to engage in the hobby of backyard bird feeding and to be a great customer. So he's like, from a retailing standpoint, that kind of um, position from a franchisee would be of concern if they didn't want to embrace and engage with each and every person who walked through our front door to become a customer. And my, my takeaway from that story always, Paul, is the fact that you were able to have an open, this is a precursor to having employee resource groups, having a set DEI policy, having all of that stuff. You having that open conversation with your team and your and your leadership led to a refinement or a definition of who you were as a company, which I always think like is a cool part of, of that story. And so, and, and that's so awesome often what happens is like these unofficial conversations that are just these human to human interactions, they lead somewhere, but it has to be an intentional movement forward, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Then how do you get it to flow out through the whole mm -hmm. system? That's, mm -hmm. that is the tough part of it because yeah. it, <clears throat> you know, it is a part of our mission, vision, and values. We embrace diversity, but like, how do you make that really truly happen? And how do you make people who don't see themselves there? I mean, this is, that's a tough thing. And <clears throat> I can you answer, conversation can you answer you. say that again? Can you answer that question, Paul, too? Like, I think oh, do like you? How... I, um, I, I, I don't have an answer that works for everybody for, by any mm -hmm. means. Mm -hmm. I think every cons, every, Every company, every brand, every individual franchise sort of has to do it in a way that makes sense for them. But mm -hmm. I think what the thing is, uh, from my in my opinion, it's showing people, being clear that everyone is welcome, and yeah. figuring out the best way to do that for your brand that is, um, well, it's not, not going to be palatable to everybody, but as palatable as possible. And I mean, part of the whole thing and, you know, just uh, the whole pride franchise leadership council is, you know, it is more difficult when you walk into a room, <clears throat> unlike gender, you know, you, you, most cases, not all cases, but you, you know, you know what someone, mm -hmm. how, how they identify, not, not always, yeah. but you often and or um race and skin color is is something that is visible yeah. you know the whole um pride council about you know just who you love you don't know and so mm -hmm. I, I remember um she said this story actually on 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 your podcast Cassidy of I um Patty Rocker just you know has always been just very quiet and very kept it to herself and wasn't ready to reveal you know that she had a wife and um and she was part of the LGBTQ plus community. And just for some reason, and actually, Jack, I think you were on the panel with me. And I said something about my partner or my husband. I, I don't know what I said. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I, <laughs> I, 
kind of wondered, but I he just outed himself uh, in front of the IFA on a big, gigantic panel, and that made a difference to her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that could make a difference for a lot of people who are keeping this quiet. They're not being their authentic self. And yeah, I mean, I've told the story a billion times. I but for a long time, I came to these meetings and I just kind of kept to myself. I just laid low, and. Be just because I was uncomfortable whether or not that the information that I was gay was going to then preclude inclusion. And what would I mm-hmm. be, what, what, what would that happen if somebody asked too many questions, what would I say? And so I just didn't say anything and I just stayed away from it all. Hughes powers the networks that people and franchises everywhere depend on. Hughes enables franchises to attract and retain more customers and create consistent brand experiences across locations. And once the right network is in place, franchises can further use their existing equipment, like providing secure Wi-Fi for guests or deploying digital signage to engage customers. A secure, high-performing network can protect a franchise against data breaches and the harm they can cause the brand and business. Hughes is small enough to care, large enough to succeed. Reach out and find out how Hughes can become your networking partner. Call Carl Udler at 301-601-6427 or visit Hughes.com slash franchise. Too many projects, short on staff, unhappy franchisees, and information security concerns. These are just a few of the areas where T-Source can assist your brand. Technology should be an asset to help you build your franchise brand and attract more franchisees, not a burden weighing you down on IT fires and outdated systems. Check out T-Source Tailored IT Solutions as your trusted strategic IT partner. T-Source can increase efficiencies, improve your customers' and franchisees' experiences, and modernize an aging IT infrastructure. Choose from fully managed IT services, or pick and choose your management options, including fractional IT resources. Let T-Source handle your IT challenges so you can work on growing your franchise. Schedule a call today at tsourceit.com slash franchises. If I could jump in with a question about Mm -hmm. franchising for all four of you, where do you all see franchising right now, early 2023, when it comes to DEI and some of the other issues we're talking about today, are we late to the party? Are we, are we kind of at an okay, it's a little late, but we're getting there kind of place. Um, I don't think anybody's going to say we're early to the party. Um, You know, where, where do you see it compared to other industries and other, other parts of the business community that that you might all be aware of where where is franchising and and um you know there's a lot of room to grow i'm sure but where do you all see it right now and and uh brett we'll start with you <laughs> it's a hefty question jack <laughs> how how uh how honest do you want me to be here right now well, right? you know I, yeah. I guess i guess maybe it's it's relative maybe compared to 
Um, you know, the automotive industry, maybe it's, it's in a different place compared to the academic industry or something like that. Right. So, so where overall, where, where do you see it and, and where, where is it going? It's, it's something that I think about a lot and I have a lot of conversations with people too. Um, I think working in franchising, sometimes we think that we are this massive, massive conglomerate and and franchising is big don't get me wrong but I will never forget when I was talking to one of my best friends back home and just about the franchising world and how crazy it is some of the people I've been able to meet and the brands I've been able to interact with and his response was huh well that's like a really niche industry good for you I don't know if the rest of the world (laughs) I think sometimes we forget and we get caught up in our own little world um but I've been able to look at DEI in the franchising space. I've been able to look at it in the youth sports industry too, working for Skyhawks. That has been a really cool journey to see because Skyhawks is leading the youth sports industry. That's another industry that I think is really behind. They're trying to catch up, but franchising is kind of in that same place. It's been this old school business, the kind of locker room boys club for a really long time. Mm. And I think people are just stuck in that routine and that mindset and thinking that that's the only way to do business. And you see a lot of, it's, it's becoming more prevalent in franchising, but I almost see more of it in small businesses, even outside of corporate America, where it's people who want to make a difference, who understand if they start investing in the people that make up their businesses, they're actually going to drive better results, have more, you know, more profit, a better return on investment. And that's where I hope franchising can get to a point where they're embracing that and they're diving into it. I think the companies that are doing it right now are the ones that are leading the way and are ahead of the game. And I think we're going to see all of the benefits of that in a few years when those brands skyrocket. We're looking at Gen Z, we're looking at millennials. They want the relationship-centered business model. And that's who is going to be the future. That's your customers. That's your employees. I think everybody's got to get on board with that at a certain point or they will start losing that success or momentum or headway that they have if they don't jump on board. You said something about, uh, you didn't say this word, but in my mind, it was lip service. Yeah. Um, I th- you asked how honest we should be uh, <laughs> is a great question. Um, in, in my mind, franchising, there is a lot of lip service, but it is a lot, it's not intentional. I think that people, there's, there's people out there that are working really, really hard to make a difference. And then sometimes the way that our industry works, it just becomes a lot more talk and less action because it is difficult to make certain things move. It just, I, I'm trying to put that in politic words there. Um, but I, I think that there are, my theme for last year was intentionality, right? And I found myself by virtue of the places and people that I surrounded myself with with good intentions, but I didn't 
didn't follow through on certain things. And I found myself with surrounding myself with the same people and the same ideas and the same, um, I'm finding myself in the same places last year because I didn't put that intentionality behind it. And it's so easy to do. And as an industry, I think that we tend to do that because we have so many things that we need to focus on. And, and we're so preoccupied with, um, you know, running our businesses and, and, and all of that growing our, our organizations. And we forget that the, that the, the part that really matters is going back to that relationship that you're talking about, because you can be intentional all day long about your metrics and your KPIs and your P&Ls and all of that. But if you're not investing in the things that drive those, which is the human beings, then you're just wasting your time and there's not going to be any momentum. So it's, it's great to say all of these things, but actually committing to that and following through and getting out of the circles uh, mm-hmm. that we are in, I think is, is key. So yeah, that's where I see us now. I don't know where I would see us, you know, in three years, but uh, I'm also not as visionary as, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a here and now let me kind of uh, do what I can to make a difference, but I don't know if, I also think it's challenging to to measure, right? Like, what yeah. does it mean? Like, what what is the metric that you use to measure it that is, yeah, easy to grab onto quickly, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, attitudinal um, approach is something that's challenging to. Yeah. You know, it's challenging to measure it. So, has it opened up doors? Um, and have we come as franchise? It you know mm-hmm. as a, a space? Have we done better? I mean, I call me the Pollyanna of the group, but you know, I, I am. I believe that it has gotten a lot better. The, mm-hmm. Number one, we're talking about it. Um, yep. Yes, and yep. so and that's great. That's great. Of course, action is is talks cheap, but these things. And I've had people come to me personally and say, "Thank you for what you've done, what the IFA Foundation has done, mm-hmm. yeah. groups have done." So I mean, a big shout out to them. Absolutely. Um, and and to you, Jack, for having this kind of, you know, and, and yeah. you two for starting this. And by the way, congratulations. On, uh, <laughs> Thank uh, you. I mean, this is a huge thing. The fact that this is happening within this group of individuals and this community, the community of franchising, in my opinion, is it just a big, gigantic fat? Yes, we can count that. There is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. on that side of it. Do, are we there? No. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> we ever be there probably not i mean and at that point will other than the celebration of the differences you know if we we'll never know whether we're there right i mean i I don't think we'll ever know what unless you ask every single individual who's a part of it Mm -hmm. how do you feel feel that this is is it a journey or is it a destination that's the other question like i think we're going to be constant learners right we're constantly pushing forward right a couple things that I'd like to point out is that I think that there is some metrics that we can go off of. I'm really mm-hmm. excited for FBR surveys that they're coming out with. Um, and if you don't know that they're going to do a diversity and inclusion survey, adding on to that, like that's a really great thing. And also we, as Stay In Your Lane, want to dig in with people and learn mm-hmm. whether 
it's a relationship that we're just doing surveying and trying to help you move through things or if it's like a full-on kind of DEI program which I'm not here to plug us it's not like my intention but like we want to do case studies where we see people grow and we see sales grow like really Cassie I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about it can be lip service and it can just be like here's what we're doing but I think that really it does affect your sales it does affect your bottom line it does affect your marketing it does yeah. affect all of the things <laughs> right and if you are really doing it and it's not lip service we have seen case studies where sales actually do drastically improve in companies and we do get better franchisees and we do have better sales trainings and we do like all of those things that really help people grow like mm-hmm. well, shout out to entrepreneur magazine for doing surveys too and in, in your last yeah, yeah. In the yeah. last um yeah. 500 we all had to answer questions regarding mm-hmm. and that's important stuff honestly even just asking the questions yeah. seeing the question on the mm-hmm. opens up the minds and yeah. it's 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 a piece that's helpful and it's there's transparency right say it again transparency and vulnerability right Mm -hmm. and that disarms people if someone can say like hey i'm struggling right now and i need help in this um there's resources and people can help each other get through this right and when you're taking a survey you're like oh maybe we're not the only company that struggles with um having diverse franchise population or making accommodations for people that need it Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, the thing that connect, connects Cassidy, what you're saying about lip service and, and Paul, what you're saying about where the industry is going, people need to have a plan. And I think that's where a lot of organizations mm-hmm. are missing the mark is, you know, they're maybe changing one thing here or there, um, but either there is not a concrete plan together or they haven't mapped it out. Maybe they don't know what metrics to track. And so they don't have a way to actually mark that progress. And Mm. it's, it is an uphill battle. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's tough. You have to have kind of that endless well or spring of hope, and you have to be able to celebrate the little wins. Otherwise you get so caught up looking at the mountain in front of you that it becomes almost insurmountable. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of us in the franchise industry who want to make a change. We're working together like the pride council, like the, uh, women's franchise network. I mean, gosh, there's so many groups and it's just about bringing all those people to the table Mm -hmm. together to have these conversations, to keep pushing initiatives forward at a certain point, Paul, you are correct what the future looks like. Will this ever be a utopia? Probably not. There's way too many systemic things at play here. And that's another very intense conversation but if we can be doing the things as individuals to just at the end of the day treat one another like human beings that Mm -hmm. is going to create such a difference in the industry and how we operate and how we treat each other you talk about the the metrics piece there's a lot of different ways that you can track your dei initiatives but to do that you have to understand why your company wants to make these changes in the first place there's uh, sort of like a top five most common diversity drivers. The number one is actually business development. It's almost 60% of people who start looking into DEI. It's because of uh, that business development increasing, whether it's productivity or profitability. The next group right behind that's actually talent acquisition, which again, comes back to your business performance. Um, So a lot of people that are, are doing that and are pursuing it know and can kind of see the path, but sometimes they need help lining up those metrics, whether it's tracking employee 
satisfaction. Maybe it's your franchisee validation. What's that look like? How are they actually feeling? How does that change if you implement XYZ programs? If you jump into a conversation, pay transparency is a huge one and one that I think is going to be more relevant sooner rather than later as more people are moving towards this model. Maybe you implement pay transparency and you work hard so that everybody knows they are paid right and valued right. You can mark that with your employee satisfaction. You can mark it with retention, how long people's tenure within the company is. There's all kinds of things and all kinds of resources out there to help you navigate that. But it comes back to, you have to have a plan. Pick one area of your company to start working on. Don't just kind of sporadically, you know, do a thing here or there. Um, You know, when you, when you start making those changes and there's a ton of research and, and reading and studies about this out there you make one change, it's going to impact something else. So you got to be ready to look at that next business line and say, okay, maybe we did the pay transparency. I don't know, maybe, maybe it impacts budgeting somewhere, or your recruitment piece. And so how can you group these things together to drive efficient and effective change? But it's tough. It's tough. That's what's so exciting. I think about the, like the things that we're doing at Entrepreneur or what FBR is doing with the surveys. One of the best parts of the franchise space is how much information we share with each other and the data. And once this, once we have some serviceable information, right. That is builds and builds and builds. We're going to have so much of that, that we can cross compare with each other of how this works within the franchise space. We can see this, you know, in so many other um, industries, right? But yeah. um, franchising is its own unique little animal. And uh, I, I think going back to what I think a few of us have already said is just getting out. It's really important when we're having this discussion is making sure that when we are implementing a plan, when we're looking at, you know, how... What even just looking at what the industry is doing right now, getting out of our own circle and having that clear perspective of being in another company's shoes, another sector shoes, another person's mm-hmm. shoes, in order to have an objective view of things, and that data being shared, the uh, personal experiences, mastermind groups, um, it's all about working together to be able to have a clear picture of what's happening. So that's why all this is so exciting to me. I'm not, Paul, I'm not all a negative Nelly about where we are and where we're going, but. Right, um, well, what it also does is is the focus on it and the actual results that we get to share mm-hmm. with each other, brand to brand, mm-hmm. letting other people know the benefits of franchising and that it is a more inclusive, it, it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? A more diverse, it, it, it is more equitable. Having that reputation getting out there that we're focusing on this will yeah. bring more people into it. I mean, in, in some of those um, strategic partners, like, you know, again, mm-hmm. Pride Council working with the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce as yeah. it, to let the, let people who are part of that group know that franchising may be the way that allows you to own your own business so that you're not going to run into those glass ceilings individually if yeah. you're in corporate America, whether it's in you know, youth sports or IS or the automotive industry. So, you know, you may not be able to work in up up because of whatever issue is, whether you're a woman, whether you're black, whether you're 
gay, whether you know you have a, you, you know you have Tourette's, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You can control your own destiny when you're in franchising and when you own your own business, especially with a brand that celebrates all of those differences. And opening yeah. those doors will then allow more of us to feel the benefits of that. That's brilliant, Paul. I think too it it highlights the massive opportunity that sits in front of franchising right now to be a leader in this space. I know it so many of these conventions we talk about, you know, franchising regulating itself as a whole. And there's a lot of legislation and lobbying that that happens at a government level. If we're walking the walk and talking the talk and leading the way by example, because we just have inclusive employers that are leading with empathy and kindness, employee satisfaction is through the roof, franchisee satisfaction is through the roof. In my mind, it's a lot easier to tackle and change franchising than all of corporate America. <laughs> um, why can't we lean into that? Why can't we be the change and show people the way so that there aren't as many coming after franchising and accusing of, of XYZ because the re reality is we talk about <clears throat> systemic oppression. Franchising is a beautiful open door for people to come in and have a better opportunity. The whole point of franchising, we learned the mistakes, right? That's how these businesses came to be. Let us help people skip that phase. We've got this package and this formula and this recipe for you. It makes business ownership a reality for a lot of people who could not have done it otherwise. To me, the inclusion and in, in franchising, those two things should go hand in hand. And I think the more we can lean into that as an industry, the better and better reputation franchising is going to get. And I hope and I think that down the road, it will lead to fewer barriers in our way. I don't know if I made, regurgitated that totally, properly, but... Yeah. <laughs> you can now call me Polly, and I think that... The one of the things that I love so much, just as you're saying, there's so much opportunity, Brett, right? Mm -hmm. But across franchising, there's so many different kinds of businesses. And there are there are the McDonald's of the world, there are the um, you know, the brands that are the the pet care brands, there's senior care, everything that like the outside world doesn't understand how diverse our set of our, um, yeah. sectors is, right? And so many of our businesses, all of them really impact the community in such a huge way that that's a trickle-down effect. Oh, it's yeah. not just, oh, at the IFA level, like there's so many people working really hard at, at the IFA level, at the brand mm -hmm. level, at the franchisee level, but every time there's... Um, another opportunity to like improve your DEI efforts or embrace something new or impact another human being. That's a financial success that goes down all the way down to the community level. And so it's not just a matter, of, and this is what I love because it's not just a matter of, of improving your, your brand success. You're actually going and making an impact on the community. And that has a larger Yes. That has, that resonates even further out into the world than I think any of us really realize sometimes. So yeah, make, mm -hmm. I, I would be the positive uh, Pollyanna on that one because <laughs> I think that there's, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. Cassidy, <laughs> you're giving me chills over here. Are we about to change the world? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Before we go, a quick word from ServiceMinder. ServiceMinder is the platform for managing and operating home services brands, from tracking marketing efforts to delivering professional online proposals directly to clients, to lead capture, to automating daily tasks. ServiceMinder provides unique tools and integrations designed to make your brand stand out from competitors. See why ServiceMinder currently supports more than 50 home services franchise brands and integration partners. Book a demo today at serviceminder.io. And thanks for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime starts now. This is the Social Geek Radio Network.